the process to make a quartz chip, a semiconductor, cannot be made without processing through spruce pine quartz. Period. What's up, everybody? Welcome to HollerCast. My name is Josh, and today we are excited to bring you the very first episode of this podcast. We have a very exciting guest whom I can't wait to hear from. Please, if you like what we're doing here, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, and turn on those notifications. It really helps with the algorithm, and I'll turn it over to you. What's up? I'm Chase, and... Josh, I'm so excited about our guest today, man. I am too, man. I'm telling you, I am this too. guy is a legend. Mr. Alex Glover. He is a internationally known geologist with over 45 years of experience in industrial minerals. He's a teacher, a lecturer, an author, and is the foremost authority on the Spruce Pine Mining District. He's also a resident of Little Switzerland. Wow. Alex holds a Bachelor of Science degree in geology from the University of Georgia. He's held management positions for the Georgia Marble Company, Vulcan Materials Company, and the ZMAX Industrial Minerals Corporation. He's a former chief geologist for the Feldspar Corporation, author of numerous publications on industrial minerals, an honored fellow of the Geological Society of America. Are you getting Wow. Shall wow. I continue? Wow. Past president of the Carolina Geological Society and North Carolina Mining Association, a special registered member of the Society of Mining Engineers, and is currently chief geologist for the Mideast Division of Vulcan Materials Company, managing geological services for 32 aggregate quarries located in North Carolina and Virginia. Gosh. I couldn't be more excited. I can't This is a man. great first guest. So without further ado, let's get started. Alex, uh, you know, last, I see it was last night, the night before last, me and Josh were watching some of your stuff that was on YouTube. And, you know, I've seen you speak several times live. Uh, and your passion for what you do really jumps off the page when you watch you. Can, just to get us kind of started in the conversation, how did you get into this field? Why is it your passion? How did it come about? And, Maybe tell us just a little something about yourself and your career and Certainly. where you came from. I uh, I grew up in Rome, Georgia, north of Atlanta. Uh, it's the mountain area of of Georgia, so I am a mountain boy. Mm. I'm proud of it, and so glad to be in these mountains, of course. But uh, I I grew up as an outdoorsman. I love to hunt and fish. And my uh, passion was the outdoors, doing stuff outdoors. But I liked scientists, science. I wanted to be some kind of scientist. So at one point, I wanted to be a biologist or a game warden. And I thought, boy, that'd be a cool job. I'd be out in the the woods. I'd be, you know, dealing with people and and animals and stuff. And uh, but then when I was I graduated from Darlington School in Rome, which is a private school, all boys school, my last year we were invaded by girls. And, <laughs> and so we, we found out what that was all about. Uh, and this school had been private male for over 100 years. Wow. And, and so it evolved. Right. And so went to, uh, was, uh, went to University of Georgia and was taking uh, pre-science or all science classes. And between my uh, 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 freshman and sophomore year, I worked at a coal mine 
in Mentone, Alabama, mm. and uh, for a summer job, and I was fascinated with with the coal and how it formed and how it was fossilized and it was 400 million years old and that stuff just really drew me in i was a laborer we were working seven days a week 12 hours a day uh, worked our tails off right Uh, but i liked it and they found out i was in college so they brought me in the office to to help work and and take tallies of trucks and the trucks coming in out of the Mm. mine and and then uh, I met the geologist, and the ge- geologist had a helper. So I kind of talked him to being off some if I could help the geologist, and that happened. And Get your I, foot in the door. It got my foot in the door, and I started helping the coal mine geologist, the mining geologist, and thought this is the neatest thing that could ever be. Uh, you're out in the woods all day. You're mapping coal seams with compasses, brunton compasses. You're getting the brand new K5 four wheel drive blazers and drive through the woods. <laughs> and you're you're surveying. You're mapping. You're taking samples. You're drilling. You're right. setting the drills. You're directing the bulldozers. Uh, just all out in the wilderness, and then you're seeing a pattern of the coal seams coming together and you're surveying the drill holes and then you're you're deciding actually where the mine's going to go and so just just a beautiful area beautiful place on lookout mountain in the that georgia alabama tennessee corner and uh then when it when there's bad weather you go in the office and you color your maps you make your maps (laughs) Uh, and it was just so neat. I said, boy, I'm, I'm going to take a geology course. So I took a fiscal geology course in my junior year then uh, at Georgia. And I said, I was born to do this. I loved wow. it. I loved it. And then so finished my geology degree there and was hired immediately by the Georgia Marble Company as their quality control supervisor and stayed there 10 years, became the... Uh, quarry superintendent of the tate georgia quarries which are famous the lincoln memorial came from there wow east front of the u.s capitol came from there the jefferson memorial came from there and most of the uh, arlington cemetery headstones came from there uh the uh wow city hall of Asheville came from there the pink marble and a wild pink came from there wow and so now all of these were before my time but i ran the 32 quarries i had 95 people and so it was a neat neat job and then i was hired later at vulcan materials and moved Mm -hmm. uh had to move to northern virginia and so uh, vulcan is the largest aggregate company in the world and based in birmingham and i was based in manassas virginia and so worked up there and we supplied the aggregate to the washington dc area and later after 10 years there all of my tenures were 10 years and then i got an offer yeah that's pretty good got an offer from zemex industrial minerals out of atlanta zemex corporation was based in toronto canada Mm -hmm. to come to spruce pine and be their chief geologist over all of their operations worldwide and so i did that and i was the only worldwide Yes, and I was the only corporate person based in Spruce Pine, and I was so glad because I hated to go to Atlanta. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> I'm from that area, and I hated to go. Right, to right, yeah. 
as most people do. Yeah. So had the tenure there and, and uh, worked for Zemex, but uh, was based at the Felspar operations there on Alta Pass. And then the company was, was starting to sell. It had sold to a Peruvian group and then was getting ready to sell to a French group. So it was I knew my position would be replaced. So I took a position with Active Minerals International based out of Hunt Valley, Baltimore, Maryland. And I was their chief geologist and ran their, uh, was uh, head of their mining operations, their clay operations in South Georgia and Middle Georgia and North Florida. Wow. And then retired about five years ago and still consult some, but it's been a career. I've traveled the world, uh, worked in some of the most desert areas, some of the, and met some of the poorest people on earth and some of the most wealthy people on earth. Yeah. I've walked on lava moving lava in hawaii during a study of uh, the eruption of kilauea i've i've worked sampling clays in the outback of australia and i've worked in the uh, yukon of canada with it flying in with helicopters and wolves wow so it's been an awesome awesome career what, what a lot like um being overseas and seeing just the the stark difference between the way the miners are treated in third world countries versus where we're at here i mean it's good question when we were in i worked insane. in brazil and we would fly into natal this is uh, and we would work in the kind of desert jungle it's 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 kind of a odd description but it was mm -hmm. a jungle area with desert portions and this was south of the amazon and we would stay in a little headquarters, and and uh, we were looking at at feldspar operations. We were looking at, mm. at furnishing feldspar to South America because that's where a lot of your sanitary ware is made. These people would be let down on a rope, sitting in a, a old tire tied to a rope with a windlass, with a guy letting you down. No safety precautions, no shirt, no boots, flip flops. And, and 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 trying to get samples out of a wall or running a drill hole into a wall, eating wow. beans for lunch. There was a little shack where they'd eat beans. And the kids on the way to the mine were playing in sewer-ridden creeks. Uh, just, just, it just takes you back and you understand mm -hmm. how other people live, and that's the way they have to live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, so geology has just been a passion of yours from the, from the, from the onset of it. It has. And, and that's why I love this area is a geology Mecca. Uh, there's no, there aren't many places in the world where you, where you have igneous metamorphic and sedimentary rocks. Right. And they're all within an hour's drive of here. Well, and quite honestly, that brings me to really the first question I'd kind of jotted down and where I kind of wanted to start here you're considered the foremost authority on the spruce pine mining district whenever there's a call from a reporter they find me <laughs> right <laughs> of course of course so just for people that don't understand it don't have any background in this what is the spruce pine mining district and what makes it so special it's an area that was studied about uh, 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 back in the uh, 40s and even 30s and in the 50s. 
But it's an area 25 miles long. It's about five miles, five to 10 miles wide. And it basic, basically runs from the edge, southern edge of Avery County, right through the middle of Mitchell County, from Little Switzerland to Bakersville and a little north of Bakersville in width. Mm-hmm. And then it ends toward the Ray Mines, toward Pensacola, and a little further outskirts in Yancey County. So that's the area where the pegmatites are, and these are quartz feldspar-rich pegmatites. They're about 65% feldspar. Mm-hmm. They're 25% quartz. They're 10% mica and a trace of a few other minerals, especially almondine garnet. And those are the things that the producers have to get out. But it's a, it's such a spectacular mining district. It is one of the most rare and one of the most famous in the world, uh, right. it, especially when you're looking for derivatives of feldspar quartz and mica. Well, let's go into a little bit more. What is exactly a spruce pine pegmatite? And I'm, I've done a little research, so... You know, I'd, I'd heard you talk about it's in particular, it's very deep. It's a mm-hmm. maybe wh- where do we need to start? Let's start with the petrogenesis. Okay. Petrogenesis, petro for rock, genesis mm. for beginning, mm. the beginning of the rock. Uh, it was, it was it, the age of the emplacement, the injection of the spruce pine uh, pegmatites is 380 million years old. So at that time, <clears throat> We during plate tectonics, the movement at three to five centimeters per year is always moving, it never stops, it will always continue. Africa was bumping into the ancestral East American coast. So as the ocean, this was an ocean before the Atlantic was there. Mm-hmm. The Atlantic's not always existed. Right. It's about two hundred and ten million years old. But Africa was slamming into the to the east coast and the the ocean bottom oce- oceanic crust is heavier than terrestrial crust right so the ocean crust was being subducted and i have a little model i love your models alex well look at this little model these are just pieces of sponge but this is a geologic model so this is this is the ocean crust this is the surface crust this is surface crust Mm -hmm. so as they were jamming together this is africa this is north america because this crust is heavier it was being driven underneath these are these are convergent tectonic boundaries so they're converging right and so as they converge one goes under the other and this is called a subduction zone Mm. so it's being subducted under the north american crust and so our, our continent and as it does as it's going under the friction of those two these two different uh bodies touching the pressure and the temperature becomes intense it's frictional pressure mm. and 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 heat gotcha. and temperature a lot of people think that these molten rocks that used to be pegmatites are coming from the center of the earth they're not they're coming for a tectonic boundary subduction zone. So it's a result of the process. It's of a the result friction. of the friction. Wow. Gotcha. A wow. tremendous friction. But you're talking about continental crust meeting wow. with seafloor crust, and they're colliding, and they're slipping past each other. 
and as they're slipping past they melt and those areas melt the melt zone is called the benioff zone and where that melts these things these pre-existing rocks melt and then under pressure they're exerted into other rocks so as that pressure builds and these things are are, are molten rock hot they exert themselves into other other pre-existing rocks gotcha those other pre-existing rocks are the ash metamorphic suite mm. the ash yeah i've heard you talk a lot about this it's the same yeah. thing as the bowcatcher cut in Asheville, and that's right. why it's named the ash after Asheville. and oh, that oh, really rock, yes at the ash metamorphic wow. suite it was tens that. of thousands of feet thick of old oceanic deep water sediments this is wow. these are clays these are sands they're muds and a little bit of volcanic uh, material in fact as you're driving down cox's creek going down the mountain toward marion look at those rocks they look kind of yellow looking that's the sulfur sulfur in them. yeah it's the sulfur in them from that volcanic and that ash. is ash metamorphic yeah. sweet but the ash was there it's about 540 million years old so 380 million years ago, these rocks were injecting into the ash metamorphic suite and pushing the ash aside and exerting and, and actually pushing into the ash. And in some cases, part of the ash would fall off into the melt, and that's called a xenolith. It's a foreign body of rock in, in another body, and we see xenoliths everywhere. You see xenoliths in the mines, all the mines in mm. Spruce Pine. Mm -hmm. You see them in the uh, the Hoot Owl mine. Mm -hmm. They're they're prevalent. But when you're mining, you have to you have to avoid the xenoliths because they're huge contaminants because they're full of iron. Gotcha. Right. So that's kind of how it happened. And then there was subsequent uplift. The area was uplifted. This these emplacements happen nine to fifteen miles below surface. Mm. That's part of the reason why we're more pure than anybody else, because there was an absence of water. Ah. Water brings in contaminants, mm -hmm. and so with a general lack of uh, of water, there there comes the purity. Wow. The most pure in the world. And is that, that, that that's considered particularly deep for something of that nature? Oh, yes. Nature, nine, right? to, nine to 15 miles straight down is a long way. But during the Appalachian orogeny, the mountain building, the mm -hmm. uplift, these things were lifted up. The blacks, the black mountains where we live, were, were estimated to once be as high as the Himalayas. They were in excess of 30,000 feet. And so, uh, and they over over the basic uh 400 uh, 300 to 400 million years that's why these are thought to be some of the most uh, uh, oldest mountains and rivers in the world right that's a long time of erosion wow where do you think the sand on the beach came from right right all of that mm. a lot of that came basically from here during that erosion and these mountains are still eroding they're yeah. still eroding so what you see here where we live is the nub just a nub of what was some of the the, the tallest mountains time, in the world the mightiest mountains in the world wow it's really mind-blowing to me just to try and comprehend an event of that magnitude the the two continents coming in i mean i just i can't fathom two continents and it's such it's such high impact energy but it right. happens over such a long yeah, long exactly. time 
So it's, the, and it is amazing. It, it just it, uh, it, it just amazes me, and sometimes my small mind can't wrap around what what it does. Mine surely can't. And at this time, 380 million years ago, when you look at paleogeography, spruce pine in Mitchell County would have been the lo- below the equator, about where Brazil is now. Wow. So since then, it has rotated and moved north. Wow, that's so crazy to think about. Uh, I heard you say something very interesting. One of the things I watched that um, when you're talking about plate tectonics, that it grows roughly at the rate of your fingernails. Is that it? Does it moves it, roughly it, at the rate of your fingernails? Does, and grow? I even have a slide where I slammed my everybody's done it. Slammed my finger, my thumb in the door. It turned black. Right. It took six months for that black to come out and be gone. So in six months, that's that's how much your fingernail grows and right. has to replace itself, and that's about the speed of plate tectonics. And this happens all over the world. Uh, in Turkey, recently, where forty-five thousand people have been killed, it's plate tectonics doing that. It's also plate tectonics that makes our oxygen and makes the world run and heat. Mm-hmm. So all this is a result of heat, basically, yes, because the heat. the interior of our planet i heard you say is basically a nuclear reactor it's a nuclear reactor exactly and that's where the heat's coming from and it's the heat the heat generates plate tectonics it it generates our weather it heat heat does a lot of things on the planet we live on plus making the spruce pine pegmatites yeah wow that's so crazy to think about so the tow river I've heard you talk some about that. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what makes the Tow River unique? Yes, yes. And the, the Tow River Tow, Valley itself? The Tow River Valley and the Tow River, of course, there are many areas where the tow cuts the pegmatites. Mm. And it cuts right through it. Deer Park, between Deer Park and right. KT Felsbar, the yep. old KT, mm-hmm. all of that is uh, is pegmatite. The Deer Park mines were some of the first mines that were ever mined. Uh Penland was an area of mining. So uh, up in Avery County, the river crosses pegmatites, and it cuts right through those pegmatites. But the Tow River, of course, flows into the Nolichucky right. after it meets Cane River and mm-hmm. several others. And then those rivers join the French Broad, and the French Broad cuts the Appalachians. Uh, and that's unique, right? Yeah, well, it, it's pretty unique. Now, right. the, the uh, Pigeon River does it. Mm-hmm. The New River does it. Uh, the uh, French Broad River system does it. The uh, Shenandoah does it. They mm-hmm. all cut the Appalachians. And people say, how could how could a river run up to a mountain and cut through it? The mountain wasn't there yet. So what's so amazing ah. about these river formations, they were flowing before the orogeny, before the mountains rose. So that tells wow. how old those rivers are. They predated the orogeny. So they predated, predated the 400 million year ago mountains wow. rising, and they have cut through as the mountains rose. They cut through faster than the mountains rose. So that's how they cut through the mountains. They never really cut through. They were cutting before the mountains rose. Wow. Which is amazing. That's incredible. It is incredible. So that's why people say, well, the New River 
and the, uh, the uh, French Broad, these are some of the oldest rivers in the world, and they are. We don't know if they are the oldest rivers, but they are definitely among the oldest because that's how you date those rivers. Wow. That's unbelievable. So, you know, my family has a, I have a history of mining in my family. So this is something that I've, you know, grown up, you know, talking about with my family members and stuff. Can you specifically you know as it relates to what we do today and have done what we've mined in the last 100 years can you speak to some of the what are the mineral what what was the beginnings of that mm-hmm. has i know court we of course all of us pretty much know quartz is a yeah. is a big thing that we you know in Felspar, obviously that we take out of here now but what what was the in the beginning you know I, i'm thinking about things like the bone of me mines down there in in little switzerland or in crabtree you know what was the origins of mining in this community in this area good question Mm. chase it was it was native americans really it was the indians wow what we uh, refer to of course is native americans they first started during the woodland age this would have been two thousand years plus ago and they were fascinated with mica as we all are, right. we, we and I'm sure people that grow up in this area find mica everywhere. Yeah, it's and very unique. First thing you start doing is yeah. peeling it apart, peeling it apart, flaking it apart. Mm-hmm. I've done it. Everybody does it. It's just a human curiosity, and it's such a neat mineral. But the the Native Americans were fascinated with it, and it was found in their in uh, in some of their uh, grave areas, and it was found too that it was it seemed like it was the higher echelon native americans who had mica in their graves it was traced all the way to chillicothe ohio i hope i'm pronouncing that right for my ohio (laughs) friends but it it was traded there and found there and uh, i have a geology friend peter margolin and uh, peter postulated that they were probably hanging it on a garment and mm. it's hanging it on a garment, and then the sun would hit that garment and glow. So this individual may have become a deity. Wow. And so we, we, my wife and I did an experiment. I made a Native American suit, <laughs> and we, we sewed mica platelets on it, went up to Grandfather Mountain. I got her to go out on the cliff across from the bridge and do like this at midday sun, and the sun hit her, and she was on fire. Really? On fire. And I was across the bridge photographing it, and we have that in my PowerPoint, the Spruce Pine Mining District. But she was over there with another friend, a lady friend, and that people thought she was crazy. You can email that to me. I'll put it up. I can. Yeah, yeah, we'll put some of that in here. I have some of those PowerPoints. And you can see how that would happen. If an individual is glowing, literally glowing, looking like they're on fire, white fire, from reflection of the sun, and this individual speaks, you're probably going to listen. So I think it was a a neat idea that friend, geology friend Peter Margolin had, so I wanted to test it out. So that's, that's a theory. Right. Uh, uh, no way of really proving that, but it really makes sense. They were obsessed with mica. 
and then the fact that Hernando de Soto came through here. And yeah, I heard you proven, talking about this. It is yes. proven that he came through here, and it was very likely on his quest for silver metal, which turned out to be silver mica. Mica. Wow. That's unbelievable. So mica in particular, let's talk about that for just a minute. Let's stick on that. Subject. Well, let me finish my go. Yeah, history. go ahead. No, absolutely. Go for it. History goes go for a little it. bit, Chase. But yeah, it was the Native Americans, and they were known. Uh, historical records uh, uh, have been found that uh, that uh, indicated that they mined at the sinkhole, the horse stomp, and the uh, Clarissa mines and so uh wow there was evidence that they had mined there of course so how did that how did they find what what's that evidence they were their tunnels their tunnels really there were indian artifacts and tools at these mines but now i investigated the horse stomp it's in little switzerland Uh gene nidegger used to own that property and asked me to come and i rappelled down in the hole in the mine Wow. That was fun, not knowing if it was full of snakes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'd imagine you'd run across that a couple times oh, yeah. during your line oh, of work. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you find the snakes everywhere, but you don't fear them or you couldn't do your job. Mm. But got down in there, and there's no pegmatite there. There's nothing there. It's a question of why uh, Indians would have mined that, because uh, there's no reason why they would have been in that mine right but the clarissa was a famous mine and the sinkhole of course is is historical so those were the first mines but then around uh uh, the 1700s late 1700s people were uh mining mica they were using them at isinglass stoves and then later on in the late 1800s the edison electric motor became developed they used mica plates for insulator Mm. and then uh, in the early 1910 they started uh, a, a group out of Ohio came, and this is all in my little brochure, which I have a right. have one for you. In fact, in awesome. fact, the chambers just developed a new one. David really? Biddick's, it's in production right now, nice. in printing stage. You'll like it. We updated it, but then they started shipping and cleaning feldspar and shipping it to Ohio to make ceramics out of it. And it was some of the best material ceramic material they'd ever found. So then a plant was built in Irwin. And then the mine started here, and from then on's history. But it was all mom and pop, a lot of families, because early families, they would they could grow tobacco, they'd have a pig or two, and a cow, mm-hmm. and a garden, but they didn't really have a real good way of making money. Right. Right. They could make money selling mica, and they could make money by selling feldspar. So uh, there aren't many. I don't think I, I would. I would fair to guess there aren't many early families that didn't do it wow because there are literally literally thousands of old mine pits in the three counties i find them all the time they're everywhere where i grew up literally a mile from the sinkhole mine um over on 80 and there's mine holes and pits everywhere over there i mean that area is littered with them um, the old Jarrett mine mm-hmm. up there. Um, gosh, if I had a dollar for every rock. I've got a map of the Jarrett mine. Really? Mm-hmm. I'd throw rocks in them, them pits all the time when I was younger. <laughs> of course, you know, Mom and Dad fuss at us for going around them, but we went exploring in the woods. That's what we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there they are, literally. I've climbed into mica holes that are 
you know, this big around, yeah. and they go for hundreds of feet. But they were mining mica in the soft saprolitic material. They couldn't really mine in the hard rock. But in the soft weathered material, the mica, you just pull it out. Right. And so you just dig with a pick and shovel and pull the mica out. So they would have these tunnels going everywhere, everywhere. So what is mica and how, how is it formed? It's, uh, it, it, it's of course, a, a, a flat. Uh, tetrahedron all of our minerals are tetrahedron based that's uh that's the uh, the atom type right where you have oxygens in a carbon and in a silicon and they these things form when, when the pegmatites were exerted into in into place when they were injected they cooled and as they cool, it took 100 million years estimated for it to cool it wow. was buried so deep and so insulated during that slow cooling, crystals grow. So the, uh, the, the mica would form, the, the quartz would form. Quartz actually formed last, I believe, in, 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 uh, in, in my Geologic. Bowen's, my Bowen's yeah, reaction yeah, series. Yeah, I I'm trying you. to remember that. <laughs> but, and then the, mi the, uh, the mica would form, but they would form different. So the uh, silicon aluminum silicates would gravitate toward what they liked where they like to be and they would form as a crystal because of the slow cooling and the crystal growth i've seen i've seen feldspar crystals here in the chalk mine there was one that was eight feet across and i could take wow. you to that i could take you to that crystal right now but there the, these things would grow and they were pure and they grew slowly and all three formed together as a as a pegmatite so it sounds like to me kind of the you know just in terms of purity you know which is what this area is known for for the purity of the minerals that we take out of here it, it was a result of slow growth being very insulated and being very deep deep buried, My, yes deep deep injection right. and another thing and chase no they uh, and and no water that's right and people say well, gosh, you know, there's quartz everywhere. There's feldspar everywhere. There's mm -hmm. mica everywhere, and there is. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't understand. They often tell me, oh, the quartz is the most common mineral on Earth's crust. It's not. It's feldspar. Feldspar is right. the most common mineral, but they aren't this pure. They're all, they're, many of them are contaminated, especially with iron. Uh, in, in my work in Mexico, we were looking for feldspar, feldspar operations to furnish the market in, in South America. And they were all, they just had too much iron in them. They were, there was a lot of feldspar, but it was iron rich. If you pour, if you make a ceramic device, such as a toilet, mm -hmm. and, and there's iron in there, it will, it will form brown specks in your toilet. You don't want brown specks in your toilet. No, you do not. <laughs> no, you do not. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's bad. That's not bad. No, no matter what happens That's right. to create so that, that's not it good. It has to be pure. And <laughs> gotcha. In fact, I have, this is, this is a little piece of a ceramic poured from spruce pine or grown. This is a button. We, mm -hmm. we form these in the ovens in the labs. You've seen these. Yep. And it, it starts out as a little thimble form and then it melts but this this way you can see the purity and if you look in that it's pure uh it's a it's a white to bare cream color and that's what that's the, one of the ways you test the fireability of the feldspar and its purity 
and if you get crazy. if you get more quartz in there it won't flatten out it'll stand up mm -hmm. you know i guess you've seen these before right <laughs> yeah that's wild. but that's a fired button yep. and you and you fire these as one of the Q, qc right. tests but it's an amazing mineral feldspar as it melts and you can't have a ceramic or a glass device without feldspar it's one of the major ingredients you can't have it now, yeah. the, the plant where where i work we actually don't do we don't i don't know if they test the uh, feldspar after it leaves us but um we don't do the, well we don't press do the press buttons anymore um we still use, I guess they call it XRF machine. Yes, and XRF tells you a lot more. XRF and XRD, those are X-ray X-ray devices that actually measure the span of atoms. And but this, uh, I think I don't know if they're still doing this. Uh, uh, We're not. Sabelco's not. I don't mm -hmm. know about Quartz Corp. Um, I can't speak for them, but Sabelco's not. Um, we're doing. It's been so long since I've been out of the. The lab in QC, I don't know exactly what all we're doing now. Now I just look, aluminums and irons is what I look at to see what's going on. If I yes, because alumina work. or iron in in high purity quartz is a killer. Absolutely. So it's why it, why is it? Me and Josh were talking about that. He was kind of going over some of the stuff, and he said that you know that what they're looking for is low iron. Why is that? Because of this. Mm -hmm. You know what that is? This is an old motherboard, mm -hmm. and all of these all of these little black things here are chips yep. and it's a semiconductor so uh, uh, we first start talking about the the printed circuit board this is printed circuit board this is also made out of something that used to be mine in spruce pine it's made out of kaolin kaolin uh, clay yes. is weathered feldspar Really? The Kaolin, my last company, we were the largest air float kaolin company in the world. We produce electronic grade kaolin. Kaolin is melted in a furnace, in a, in a giant furnace. It's spun in the fiber and it makes fiberglass, electronic grade fiberglass. Electronic grade fiberglass is sandwiched between, between two, two flat foils of copper dipped in a resin and that's a printed circuit board wow that's what wow, makes a circuit i did not know that no, i didn't either you so, work in this you should know these things <laughs> again, I, I know the process of getting it out the door i don't know what happens to right. it a lot of people don't know that but uh, we were making the fiberglass out of kaolin for printed circuit boards but so then these semiconductors then they 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 are nothing but millions of switches as 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 a, a, a computer is nothing but a box of switches right and so uh, they used to have the transistors but as time went along and progress developed most of that went to the semiconductor so it's a circuit it 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 turns on and turns off if you get a piece of iron in there iron is what it's a conductor yeah, it if you get a conductor where you don't want it to conduct it's obsolete it doesn't work so you can't have iron in those and and it's the it's the impurities that are measured in high purity quartz in the parts per billion you have to be below so many parts per billion or it's no good yep. so if you're mining and you hit a xenolith which is ash metamorphic sweet or any of the of the black horn blend nice which is prevalent all around our area 
the flotation cells won't pull it, and so yeah. so you're 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 making quartz that will not make will not suffice for high purity. So I'd written down thirty parts per billion. Is that right? Yeah, it's about it. It can be there are different right, ranges, right. but it can be as much as less than. The f total impurity is less than 30 parts per billion. Wow, I don't know what is... it is now. They may have refined it even greater than that, but that's I, a lot. I don't know what it is now there after, especially if it's refined, gassed, and leached. I don't know. And I don't even know if I can say on the internet what our specs are. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't. <laughs> no, gosh, don't get yourself in trouble. Right. And that's one of the secrets. You know, that's one of the secrets of, of the companies. There's an extreme high technology involved in all of this, the yeah. purification. And some people don't understand. Let me show you something else. This is, these are quartz crystals. Yes. These are very pure quartz crystals, but not near as pure as the amorphous quartz right. in this. And this is a core. Yep. Oh, this well, is I a, know what those are. This is a core. You've probably <laughs> split these, crushed them, and run chemistry XRF, XRD on these. On those, well, we on those we would do just a. Um, we wouldn't run an XRF. We'd run a um, uh, ICP. Mm -hmm. ICP is yeah. even more accurate. Yep. We digest and run an ICP on those. The. Uh, and it's funny, when you run an ICP, that little crucible gets red hot. We were at a lab one day, and one of my colleagues, they put the ICP cup down. He reached and touched it. No, no, it no, melted no. his finger. Oh, my God. No. It melted the skin on his finger. So ICP is a, um, a type of uh, spectrometer. It's uh, inductively coupled plasma is what ICP stands for. Wow. It's, it's not insane clinical posse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that quartz, that quartz, this quartz in here, once refined, is much more pure than this. Right. And a lot of people think, well, that's a pure quartz crystal. Right. How could anything get more pure? And I've got something really neat to show you. When I was, get back to the microphone. Yeah. When I was with the company, the company sent me the GE quartz, where, where the quartz was processed. And this is in, outside of Cleveland, Ohio, in Willoughby. Mm. Willoughby, Ohio. It's where all of our material used to go. In fact, all of the technicians up there, I became close with them. And I asked them, you, you know, outright, where else do you get quartz that will make crucibles? They said, nowhere else in the world. Yeah. Not 85% of the quartz makes crucibles. Right. Not 95, 100%. And it sometimes... Uh, you know, you'll, you'll hear people say, well, spruce pine makes 95% of semiconductor quartz. Spruce pine, the process to make a quartz chip, a semiconductor, cannot be made without processing through spruce pine quartz. Exactly. Period. Right. Wow. And that is mind-boggling. That is, that is insane. It is. My previous company, I was hired to look for quartz resources. They sent me to Brazil. They sent me to Australia. We looked. There's not another place. And the Norwegians would always say, and if you listen to the little podcast called Chips with Everything, I don't know if you mm -hmm. listen to it, BBC Radio 4. Go yeah. to BBC Radio 4, Chips with Everything. They sent two BBC reporters here, and they were talking about, uh, they interviewed the Norwegians, and the Norwegian geology, uh, the, the, the 
geologists for their geological survey said we don't have high we have high purity quartz but we don't match what's in spruce pine but we will someday because those deposits are like our deposits well guess what spruce pine quartz is going to norway to be processed yeah mm. yeah i know quartz corp does that they ship everything they, they do that's where their leaching is and, they leach and, a, and that's yeah. where a lot of people don't understand too that leaching is a is a is a, a secondary stage of yes. processing and some of the quartz is has minute channels in it, 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 it it's uh, microscopic channels when you leach it with hf acid in a process and that's a very high-tech process the the material hydrofluoric acid yes right. it yep. will go in and leach iron and alumina and other impurities out so it further cleanses not all quartz in spruce pine can be leached right. not all is leachable so you have to have a source where it has that minute crystallinity to get the acid in it if the acid won't go in it you can't make high purity quartz when you can't make high purity quartz, it goes for golf course sand, masonry sand, savanna sand, or savanna. No, no, no? savanna sand's good. Savanna sand is high purity. Ah. It goes also to the new quartz countertops. A quartz uh, countertop yes. is high brightness spruce pine, mainly sand, not capable of making high purity, but it goes into a mold with a resin. And will make a beautiful quartz countertop. Yeah, I know. I think I'd, when I was, uh, I ran a green building store for a while and we sold Cambria quartz countertops, which mm -hmm. are made in Lucerne, Minnesota. And I know one of the reps for that company had told me that a lot of the quartz that they source is from this area. Yeah, and so a lot of people don't understand. They think that a quartz countertop is like cut out of a quartz. Deposit. No, 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 no. That's it's not. It's man made. Lab made. Yeah. yeah but this yeah. is a quartz crystal. Look at this one. This one is wow. the highest purity cut quartz crystal that I know of in the world. Wow. Uh, when I was at the GE plant, they were extruding high purity quartz tube through the roof. It's it's melted in some in some furnaces and then extruded down through the floor, and you see these rods coming down. This is a piece of one of those rods that I took to Jerry Call, Jerry Call yeah. uh, on Rio Dosi. He's yep. deceased now. Yeah. He's one of the finest gem cutters uh, uh, in the world. Yeah, rest in peace, Jerry. He, he cut that for me, and uh, this one is absolutely, this is the highest purity quartz that was made at the time and made that wow. crystal. So it's, it's special to me, and when I do a school class, I show that to the kids wow. and say this, this, uh, this originated in spruce pine, and they think they'll go out in the mines and find those. Right. <laughs> nah, not quite. No, no they won't That's find a process those. of refining. Yes, basically. it is. That yeah. is many stages. That's gone through crushing, grinding, flotation. Ma yes, magnetic separation, several leach stages. That's the highest purity known to man that's been cut into a crystal. Wow. wow. And and it mim it mimics uh, 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 Carolina Queen, which is a gemstone, right? Yeah. So this is special to me. So how? Just as a layman, I'm a layman. You're you're a part of this industry and all that. How many times do you actually find quartz quartz in crystal form around here? Is that common at all? Not common. Not it's common. Not at common. All. You'll find it in other places. For example, in Marion. 
Mm-hmm. You've got the Chilhowie. Uh, there's some quartz deposits that run through Marion, mm-hmm. and there's some areas where you can find quartz crystals. You can find them in the mines, but they're rare, rare. Right. I don't know if I've ever found one. But the quartz is amorphous. So, see, the quartz has all been melted. And it's like a, it's kind of like a, a special jello. It was yeah. melted at one time. You put three or four different ingredients, like a fruit jello. Mm. You've got peaches in there. You've got pear in there and right. cherries in there. <laughs> the quartz and the and the feldspar and the mica are all the fruit in the jello. Yeah, uh, gotcha. And so that's what this is. So they aren't of crystal form. You can see this was a little quartz vein. It's 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 a uh, it's a milky to a gray uh, a, a gray quartz. And the white is feldspar, and the dark is actually mica. And the mica is muscovite. It, it's not biotite, which is high iron mica, but mm. it's all there together, and it just formed in a right. It, uh, it was it's just a miraculous way that it was formed right. and put here for us. So do we do we still do we still is mica a, a big product still around here? Yes, yes, it is. Yes. So what what I, you know I'm and we'll go into what quartz and you know, I think we've already touched on kind of what feldspar is used for, but. What's mica used for? I know, you know... The biggest thing right now, uh, especially for white mica, which is muscovite, Mm -hmm. is gypsum joint compound mud, or joint compound cement. The five gallon bucket that you buy from U.S. Gypsum is a popular uh, component of that. The mica in there is an anti-shrinking component. It's the morphology of mica. Let me show you mine. These are, yes, he does. <laughs> these, are some neat, my, these are some neat mica uh, components. Pictures and stuff, so I can put it on the screen when I edit the show here. This watch. is really a good one, and wow. just beautiful mica. And this mica is from here. This is a piece uh, that was processed. I think my friend Richard Montague uh, gave me this one at Tar at, at Spruce Pine Mica. But the the thing about mica is if you can imagine this ground and it's in a compound such as joint compound mm-hmm. if you've ever been around sheetrock uh, mudders mm-hmm. and and uh, i think they're wonderful right they have a job a lot of people <laughs> that's what i do for a living i'm a, do, I'm, a, I'm a general contractor a so i'm around a lot of this yeah don't like fooling with sheetrock right right but when they when two panels of sheetrock are formed which is calcium sulfate that's mm-hmm. gypsum one of my colleagues from that i graduated with roger sharp is their chief geologist for u.s gypsum but yeah. when it's in a mud and the the morphology the flat particle of the mica overlaps so when the mud dries it won't shrink because you've got a skeleton in That's there brilliant. so it's an anti-shrinking wow, device it goes on smooth and flat with a sheen so they love it for sheetrock so ground mica it has a big, there's a big demand for ground mica and sheetrock mud compound because of the anti-shrinking wow, that's crazy. portion of that. Sell a lot of, I, I knew it was used in, in gypsum uh, mud, but I didn't know why. Didn't that's know. why. That makes total sense. It locks together. Yeah. And then another big component is oil well drilling. When a, when a big yeah. oil well uh, uh, steel is going down, they use it in the mud, the 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 mud mix for the oil to drill an oil well because it seals the borehole because it's flat, and it actually lubricates. Mica's slick, right. 
Yeah. Uh, if you've ever walked on mica uh, debris in a floor, like in a plant, it's like grease. Yeah. Uh, it's wow. really slick, especially when it's wet. Super slick. And so it lubricates the borehole and seals the borehole, but you don't have to have high quality. So it's almost like something akin to like a graphite lubricant it is. or something like that. It is. And then another thing, it goes in the ladies' uh, makeup. Right. Because it is ground to the size of your hair follicle and your skin. So when a lady puts base on, the mica goes into the hair follicles and sticks in there and gives her a sheen. So that's that's it's in all base makeup because of that. It goes on smooth with a sheen and it's beautiful. Wow. And it makes uh, beautiful women are 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 sometimes yep. not so beautiful, very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> not it for made, spruce pine we wouldn't it, have hot women in the some, world so, it makes yeah. them beautiful and then uh, the other thing is metallic paint it goes in mixed into a metallic paint high grade paints will make metallic flank paint for uh automobile oh, yeah. and so so just so i understand it is mica also so how i've always wondered kind of do these companies so we're we're separating Felspar we're separating quartz from Felspar are we separating mica out in that same process yes Chase and that's part of the big revolution so it's a try like a three part yes and and yeah. when when it was mom and pop we need to touch on this when when your ancestors and all of ours were working the mines they would take a piece of pegmatite they would take a rock. And they would find a little felspar on the corner. They had a chipping hammer called a spar hammer. Mm -hmm. And they would chip that off, and they'd pick it up and put it in a wheelbarrow. They would chip off a mica, put it in another wheelbarrow. Guess what they did with the quartz? Threw it away. Threw it away. That's wild. Isn't quartz it? was no good. They threw now it's the, one of the most valuable. Now it's the most sought after. <laughs> right, right. They threw all the quartz it's away. Expensive than gold. That's crazy. So now... So now that, that uh, during the revolution in the late 40s, early 50s, the Minerals Research Lab, part of NC State University in Asheville, it's based in Asheville, it's still going, it's still there, right in the main district in As Asheville. That land now is more valuable than their business. Wow. But uh, uh, wow. I'm on their advisory board for the North Carolina Minerals Research Laboratory, part of NC State. And they helped develop, they the Tennessee Valley Authority, the mining companies, and the Bureau of Mines all went together and developed a process to separate the quartz from the mica and the felspar. And it was done through froth flotation. And froth flotation is almost a just a magical chemical set of, of components that make different items separate. And one way they separate is they make them hydrophobic. When you make a, uh, 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 a piece of mica hydrophobic, you coat it with a petroleum sulfonate. That, and I was fascinated with So it repels water. I didn't have much to do with the plant, but I wanted to know how it worked because mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure I sent them the right stuff sure. to make. So when you take a piece of mica and you, you render it hydrophobic, it wants to get away from water. So these are big vats of water with chemicals that coat this material to make it want to get away from water. So you induce froth and foam into the cell. This connects with an air bubble 
through a froth of bubbles, and guess what? The air bubble's going to float it to the top. It floats it, yeah. It floats it, and then it, it creates a foam, and then you have little paddles that paddle off the foam into a trough, and you've collected your mica. Wow. Then, then everything drains to another cell, and then you float the iron up, and the iron is taken off. And then the last stage, you use HF to secure the quartz to make it heavier, Quartz sinks, feldspar floats. Yep. Wow, it's a crazy. magical process, wow. and it's done continuous, yep. uh, 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 twenty-four-seven, uh, yep. and it's just a magic magical. But you have to get your chemistry right because it's nothing but a chemistry set. It, mm. it is. It is. Yeah, I ran flotation on night shift for several years, and it's amazing. It is. I loved it. I love flotation. It's, that's. To this day, that's been my favorite job with the company. I love flotation. And it runs, and if, if you're inducing the right chemicals at the right rates and your feeds are all consistent, it just runs. But you get one out of quilter, out of kilter, and it goes haywire. Yep. Wow. So this is all, this is right up your alley. You're a biochemist, well, right? Well, and yeah, the, uh, I mean, just the fact that I ran flotation for, I've literally done that job, what he just described. Really? But that since froth exactly flotation, the whole industry changed. You could no longer do a mom and pop and dig around a xenolith or in between the black rock. You could mm. do that by hand. But now in the big mines, and you see them, we see them everywhere around us, you're doing 30, 40, 50 foot shots. So that whole area has to be clean of the ash. Uh, uh, the hornblende gneisses, the black rock. It has to be totally separated. And that black rock, what you're talking about, is what we. That's what we were like referred to as that gra that uh, driveway gravel. That it is in the locals. Here, right? When I first well, came here, yeah. the the Ro yeah, the Bond. yeah, exactly. The miners called it slate. Don't get in that slate. I thought, how could slate be here? <laughs> right. It's not really slate. That's <laughs> right. just what they called it. Right. Of course. That's what but we give. They knew not to get in it. Right. Gotcha. That's full of iron. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. It's mostly iron. Yeah. It's mo And if you feel it, it's heavier. Yeah. It's heavier. But that started the whole revolution of mass production with these big processing plants. Is and without a processing plant, you can't do it. Right. Is there any other minerals that we take or any other? Those are the big three, quartz, feldspar, and mica. Uh, but is now there the, anything the else? The garnet has been looked at, but it's fractured. The garnet is too fractured. Right. Uh, and, it's, and, and you get it with a lot of other uh, commodities that come with it. We never found a use for the garnet. It would have been too costly to separate it further. Gotcha. gotcha. And it's not a high-quality garnet in gotcha. the form that it's in. I mean, spruce pine batch, they make glass, too. Now, I don't know where they mine their ore from. They buy it from the producers. Oh. They buy their feldspar from the companies here. They don't mine anything. I didn't know that. They buy their uh, ball clay from KT and others. Uh, those are Mid Tennessee, West Tennessee and Mississippi uh, ores. They buy their silica from Illinois. And and they they batch all of those, but they buy bulk and mix them. Okay. And wow. anywhere I go to give a spruce pine talk, if they're potters or glass blowers, they all know a spruce pine batch. Yeah. Especially the glass blowers. The glass blowers, yeah. 
yeah, a real good friend of mine, his father was a, a glass blower, and um, that's how I learned about Spruce Pine Batch was because even working, you know, with Uniman at that point where it was where I was at. Um, you know, we, we didn't really do any business with them, so I had no idea even that they were there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's and another I, thing, Josh, that you, this brings up another thing. You hear people that sometimes don't know the full story. Sure. You'll hear a, 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 a candidate for a county commissioner. Mm. Oh, let's bring the glass plants here. Let's bring the tile plants here. Let's, you know, they're in, they're in uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. They're off in, in, in other places. Let's bring them here where the, where the raw resources are. They don't understand that feldspar is just a small component. Sure. They also have ball clay. Right. They have kaolin. They have they have regular quartz sand, so they try to locate in the middle of where all those resources are. Right. That's not mm. spruce pine. No, no, it's not. Gosh, so, that's and, an and important. So when, when they do their yeah. sometimes their candidate speech, I sit there and go because they they just <laughs> and they don't mean to do it on sure. purpose. They just sure. don't understand. Right, right. They mean well. But they mean like well. Said, they, they just don't understand. Exactly. So, so the bat, big batch sure. plants are not gonna. Right. Come here. Right. That makes total sense. Wow. I, you know, that touches on something that I did want to ask you, and it was a little on down the kind of the sheep for me. I thought we'd hit on it later, but since we're here, let's go ahead and talk about it. Um, I don't I, I struggled putting together this question in the first place, but what I'm getting at is, you know, I know I've heard in the community tossed about several times um, the idea of charging or or of putting into place something where we would be basically getting an export i don't know if you want to call that a tax yeah an export tax on Mm -hmm. the things that go out of here alex can you speak to if we have anything like that and what your thoughts are on something like that we don't we don't and it would be i actually was uh i was uh president of the north carolina uh, mining association right and it was mainly uh, a, a group of of the feldspar corporation uniman and kt feldspar all of those were separate at the time and uh it was actually when mike robinson was here yeah. your parents would know who oh, mike yeah. robinson was. absolutely and mike robinson had a push to do exactly that well it it it, it was so complicated and it was you know which how do you tax that you know you've got high purity you've got feldspar you've got golf course sand you've got other things there there uh uh you you know dozens and dozens of products so do you tax each one do you just tax one of them do you tax the ore coming out of the ground do you tax the the final product what do you tax it's so complicated to to make that work it just fizzled Mm. And that would be the same today. And these companies are foreign-owned companies, uh, all, all of them except for Vulcan, which is not mining right. any any purity materials. They're mining a good aggregate. But I've seen in these companies evolve over time. Uh, in the in the past, you know, you would you wouldn't see them. They would support a ball team here and a ball team there. But 
Now you've got them really digging in. Yeah, it seems like that's a big push. Even I noticed that even the community. They're taking days when they take all of their employees and they they work for a community project. And they pay them Mm -hmm. to do that. And they come up uh, with some great, great, great projects. Mm. So that's getting much better. But understand, when when you own a company and you live in Paris, France, and you're uh, you're a uh, 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 philanthropist, then you're likely going the money that you make you're gonna give in the area where you live. None of those owners live here. Right. So mm-hmm. I, 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 but I think they understand the importance of spruce pine, and they're starting to to really give back. So and I think they know they need to, and they are doing it. Um, and they, they say they are. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if they put their money where their mouth is. Um, but that's something that Sabelco recently has really started to, um, uh, corporate has really started to say they, they see the value here in Spruce Pine. Well, most and mining, really and most do. mining companies, uh, all mining companies need a license to operate. Exactly. They need a license to operate in the community mm-hmm. and they, uh, 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 the, when they contribute and become a part of the community, they're more accepted. Sure. Where is an, a license like that obtained from? It's obtained by uh, well, they have to have a they have to have county permits. They have the big thing is a mining permit. Yeah. The mining permit is issued by the state. I was a mining commissioner for the state of North Carolina. Mm. Uh, my uh, they've since dissolved that and it's gone to an energy board, but that 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 group of people says you can operate or not if you do things wrong there there are criteria in there if you have blasting that's that's unsafe if you if you do damage to to areas mm. if you do you can have your permit revoked and you're done yeah you'll, you'll never get it so so the thing is you better do it right mm. the first time and they know that if they do it wrong they're out of business right the river Y'all are too young, but uh, my office mate, Tom Freeman, had a big map, an aerial of of the Toe River when it was white. They just shoved the waste. And and these materials, when they're being processed, there's anywhere from 40 to 60% waste. They were shoving it in the river. The river was carrying it off for them. Well, and there's another subject. That's not done anymore. No, right. no, at all, and that's right. good. We've got an yeah. entire waste dump that we that we use. And yes, and the waste dumps are huge. But then there was no life in the river. The right. fish were dead. All of that's come back because it's been taken care of. Right. So, I, I want to touch more on that. You know that process too. But just kind of closing out with the. So, if the county wanted to, you know, in because the tax would be so complicated would if the county wanted to do something like that let's just say that was something that they wanted to look at pursuing would you think that the permitting would be the way to accomplish something like that no the permitting the, the county has no authority over the permitting that's kind of yeah. other than code and things like that right right it's the state that controls your erosion your okay. runoff your air and your ground vibrations all of that that's the that's the 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 state under gotcha. department uh diener uh, department of health and natural resources runs that out of raleigh right but 
our division is under the Western North Carolina Division, which their office is in Swannanoa. Mm. So yes. all of that is uh, the now the county can do, uh, and it depends on who you talk to. They have the authority for taxation, but the, it's the state that that does the permitting. Right, guys. So it would basically but it have is to so, be through taxation. And understand, because the chemistry is so complicated and so rare, and the products are so different, and so many, you've got not only the quartz, you've got the mica and the feldspar and yeah. other things. Well, obviously, you don't want to be taxing golf course sand at the same rate that you're taxing high purity quartz that's going for semiconductors and things like that yeah exactly one thing i see both sides on since i work for one of the companies right i mean here's the thing if if you wind up taxing doing an import tax they're going to make up that lost revenue somewhere and right now you know a lot of these well both both the big companies big mining companies here sabelco and uh, Quartz Corp, they use a lot of local vendors, and they pay more for those local vendors. Yes, they do. And if we start talking about import or export taxes and stuff like that, then we're going to see, I mean, I, I would just imagine we would see a lot of local vendors and businesses lose those big contracts. Mm, well, that's they a great could. Point. And another thing, we they're just had... Right. We just had Matt Ward speak at Spruce Pine Rotary. Yeah. Uh, great speaker. I think Matt's a great guy. And Matt Matt told us during that uh, episode, he said, you know, we're a tier one county. Mm-hmm. We're, we're one of the lowest uh, income counties in North Carolina. But what does lift us up is health care the hospital and mining because they are above average pay grades they're high pay grades Mm. i'm chairman of the board of trustees for blue ridge mission hospital Mm -hmm. and we see we have 350 uh, hospital employees uh mining industry supports a lot of that Mm. a lot of that and and people understand you know chase with families being in the in the mining, they've grown up with it. It supported their families. It sent them to school. It put Absolutely. food on the table. The people here are pretty, pretty close to mining. Uh, uh, and when anything comes to threaten it, their fur is ruffled up. Mm. Their feathers are ruffled yeah. up. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think the mining companies would go anywhere because we have the product. We have the ore that they want. But, like I said, man, they're going to make up for that lost revenue somewhere, and I would be afraid that it would be... Yeah, boy, and they do use a lot of local... You know, I know countless companies that are a part of the mine and, you know, Mm -hmm. that support the mine. Dude, Sabelco itself, or Uniman especially, has made many local millionaires. Well, and you look look at the trucks coming in. I noticed it this morning coming up. I passed, I was in Marion, I passed... There must have been five container trucks coming down the mountain. You know where they're coming from. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're containers. They're going to Savannah. They're going for export. And then coming up the mountain, I passed about three underwood trucks, and I passed about three acid trucks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are all... A part of the mining industry. Exactly. Exactly. God, that is... Wow. So it's a big thing, and we're so infor- uh, so fortunate to have this industry here. It's a yeah. special place. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I, I, I get a little frustrated because, you know, some of our people or some of our leaders want to, uh, uh, you know, start another festival or, or go with something. We have the highest purity quartz in the world. 
Yeah. Uh, we are the mineral city. But I noticed uh, that just late, recently coming down Burleson Hill, they had a big sign there that said, Welcome to Spruce Pine, the Mineral City. That sign's gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we, we need to embrace that heritage. We like do. Because it is a truly a heritage that we, we have do. here. We do have the Gem and Mineral Festival, mm-hmm. which is huge and mm-hmm. fantastic and brings people from everywhere. Yep. But people, uh, many locals don't understand what's here. Every electronic device almost on the planet has sand in it from Spruce Pine. It, it, the sand, the, the high-purity quartz from spruce pine is, is, is involved in the production of those semiconductor chips. Yes. Yep. Exactly. That's why. And it's a key component. Oh, yeah. You can't make one without it. There you go. So while we're on that subject, let's talk about the, I know, the, the telescope. Um, can you speak yes, on the that Hale a little? Telescope. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was at one time the largest telescopic mirror in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was done by Corning, and there's a really good podcast called uh, 364 Days of, of Astronomy in uh, the Spruce Pine tele, uh, Mining District. And it was the quartz was mined at Chestnut Flats, wow. right above the high school. Mm-hmm. And there's a big quartz vein in there, and they took it out, and they actually, I think it was somewhere in Ohio where they fired it. And then a railroad car took, and the first, the first mirror broke or cracked. And they had to make another one and shipped it to California for a long, long time. I don't remember how long, but that was the largest, most advanced telescope in the world. Wow. And they knew that spruce pine had high-purity quartz, but this was before the quartz revolution. Right. You know, the quartz revolution came uh, basically after the the computer was developed. The computer, So the quartz world has only been here about 30, 40 years. Right. It's new, and all that quartz was thrown away. Now it's coveted. Oh, very much so. Wow. Very much so. So sweet. So we're, we're talking 30, 40 years of the quartz itself. Alex, can you speak to the longevity of what we have yes, here? Yes, yes, and that was my job. Uh, my job for Zemex Industrial Minerals, uh, I was chief geologist, so my job is to secure uh, resources and 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 actually wrote a lot of the contracts uh for for land and to and to actually be in the development of those processes and in the search the exploration for those areas but during my tenure we found and a lot of this was before me it already been mm-hmm. acquired but we had uh any depending on production we had 50 to 100 years of reserves and most of the companies have that they know they have to have longevity and when your company comes up for sale that's the first thing a potential buyer looks at right so you have to present those documents and those facts and that data and 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 we did so uh the biggest threat probably to the quartz industry will be another semiconductor device at some point in the future they've experimented with biological chips that are actually uh carbon based but they're wow. so expensive and so far out there uh, we hope that'll be a while before they're produced sure. but the quartz business here is king 
Right. And it's and right now it's kind of hard to imagine that it wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, being that it's literally in everything. Well, we have so many other uses for it too. We use it in fiber optics. Um, we use uh, solar glass, solar, solar glass. panel glass, fiber optics, uh, quartz panels, quartz watches, yeah. quartz devices. Uh, the General Electric plant, which is now a division of Momentive, it's Momentive, a division mm-hmm. of General Electric. They uh, and, and just going through that plant and seeing a bull, a bull is a three foot thick hockey puck shaped uh, device of pure spruce pine quartz. It's as big as this room. Yeah. And they pour these bulls wow. and then they shave pieces of quartz off of it, cut pieces off to make electronic devices. If there's one speck, one speck of an ash metamorphic sweet <coughs> contaminant in that bull, it's rendered obsolete. Yep. They flew me up there to look wow. at, a, at a piece of black speck inside of one of those bulls. We cut it out. We sent it to uh, Virginia Tech and had an electron microprobe analysis of it. And sure enough, it was an iron contaminant of ash metamorphic sweet. One of wow. our larger customers is, uh, I believe it's the same, it's a division of GEM. We call it MPM, so I'm not sure, or not GEM, GE. We call it MPM when we run it. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's who you're referring to. And um, when we when we package their product, I mean, we have to be so meticulous keeping the barrels clean. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're clean. And those barrels are lined. Yeah, and they, they will send it back. If, mm-hmm. there's, if there's sand or dirt on the top of the barrels, they will send, they will send the whole truckload back to us. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You just wouldn't believe the quality control and, and the parameters because when you make a whole batch, you just, <coughs> let's say you get a whole batch of material out and you make hundreds of thousands of devices and if any of these little bat, black squares are bad, guess what? You've got a lot of processing cost in yeah, that. A lot. And you're going to eat it. Yeah. Wow, it's so fascinating to learn about this type of stuff, like yeah. just uh, the way industry works. And what- you've got people here, Chase, that work like Josh, that work in these labs that are highly trained. They have good benefits. They're making good money. They don't need to move away from here. Right. They come here. But the the sad problem is a lot of those people come here from somewhere else because we don't have that population. Mm. I mean, honestly, even where, where I'm at, because like I'm not in analytical services anymore. I'm in production now. I still, I don't know anywhere else with a high school diploma, you can get a job and make base pay, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. And Josh, if you've got a high school diploma and you work hard and you show results and you produce results, you can become manager of that plant. Absolutely. Well, I think you have to have a degree. But, the, but they'll put you through school. They will pay mm-hmm. for it, if I'm not mistaken. One of my, uh, uh, I did some high school programs. Yeah. One of my students in high school was James Bird. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. James Bird decided to go into geology, yep. and he ran the schoolhouse plant. He became manager of that plant. He's the one who hired me in, um, in, uh, produ- or not, in, uh, yeah, in production. When I left the lab, he's the one who hired. He's me. no longer with the company, right, but he right. he he he's a great guy, and he's 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 done a lot, and he's gone a long way. He's a local homeboy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love James. Went to school with James. Yeah. Oh, you did too. Right? You yeah. might have been in the class when I came to talk. Very. Well. What he was he in was your a year or two older than me. 
Yeah, he was, was he? a year or two. Yeah, I think he, he may have been a year older than you, and yeah. you were a year older than me. Yeah. yeah. So, that's wow, right. that's crazy. Well, let me ask you this. This is totally off mm -hmm. the quartz subject, but since you're a geologist, I have to ask this. How many geologists do you know that, think, that believe the, the Earth is flat? None. <laughs> None. Because we, we, I mean, we study it, we see it. We, su we study it and we see it. And, and you know, you go through these classes when you go through historical. We, to be a geologist, you have to minor in math, calculus, uh -huh. biology, and chemistry, and physics. All of those. Uh -huh. And you see these and you work in the labs. You, you, you work with satellites. We use GPS every day to map things and it's gotten so precise yeah. uh, and you you can actually unless you're uh, trying to find mine and you find a positive <laughs> yeah you might be gps hidden right. but those you know it's going through school it's learning how the minerals form and that way you learn how to look for them because you look for the environments where they form sure. right and it's just such a, it's almost like being a sherlock holmes you use your chemistry, your physics, your your backgrounds to learn where these things form. And then you know where they form and where they can't form. Right. And so it's such a neat, neat, neat process. Well, I know. And, you know, when I was in college, I started down the road to uh, be a meteorologist. And part of what got me into that, unfortunately, I ended up building houses. But or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, I guess. Uh Basically, early meteoro meteor meteorological studies is basically nothing more than geology. It is a lot. That's of where it. we get pretty much our our picture of what you know climate it is has been over you know generations. And it's the mountains, it's the continents, it's the deserts, it's the oceans that make the climate, and it's the heat that generates storms. Sure. So it's it, it's all relative, and I always think you know. There's no better science in combining all sciences than geology. You use yeah. them all. In fact, there was a Forbes article, this was years ago, that I read, and they rated the, the, the top professions in the world, the most liked out of all professions. Mm -hmm. Geology was number two in that entire survey. More geologists like what they're doing than any other career based on pay, based on benefits, based on uh, learning things. And number one was a biologist, and I always said the biologist lied on the test. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Alex, uh, just kind of getting back to local things here, you know, is there anything you would like to see? You know, you mentioned, you know, James and being a homegrown kind of product here. Um you know, we've got amazing resources like Mayland Community College, which I know you've taught yes, at. And, yes, and, and I that. taught at Mayland for a year, and I loved it. Right. What I'd like to do, and, and and we tried this, it just didn't work out yet, but what would be so amazing, we're losing people. We're losing especially young people. But we have some of the most sophisticated high-tech jobs in the world. Yes. Why not have an area that can have a mining training class where you come out of high school or during high school, you take a class, and, and you'll know this, Josh, working in a plant is huge. Yeah. You, teach you, you teach electronics, you teach welding, you, te you teach a little basic chemistry, yep. you teach mechanics, you teach 
those basic things that they do in the plant. Uh, you you teach uh, uh, math, figuring your kilowatts of energy. You teach your thermos, where you're measuring heat for your heat systems, and you do that, and you run them through an MCHA class. You run them through CPR safety classes. Every person that graduates that program is going to be hired in a second, and they're not going to leave here. And even even if there are not enough jobs for them. They can go to other mining companies like Vulcan that has plants in Boone. They have a plant in Lenore. They have one, of course, in Spruce Pine. They have one in Asheville. People, even if they can't find a job in Mitchell County, they don't mind working the next county over because they can come home. Right, exactly. They can come yeah. home. And we, right. we actually tried to get that done. It didn't work. But if we had that, look at the problems it would solve in our area. Sure. You'd have immediate high-paying jobs. Kids aren't leaving as much as they are. Yep. The mining companies are paying for the schooling. Yeah. And it's, tra it, it's training them all, and the, the, the plants will actually fight over those prospective employees. Yeah. And from, a, from an employee point of view, it would make training new hires so much easier. Yeah, you don't have to run them through MSHA classes. They have it. And they have they their have, CPR classes. Yeah, yeah. They, when they're introduced to be a, a froth flotation uh, uh, operator, mm -hmm. they kind of know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And that's people who come to our plants from Baxter, and because there is no, there's no factory or plant anywhere in the world that's like a mining plant. There's not, it's not, it's not an assembly line, production line kind of plant. It is totally different. So when we get new hires from other companies who've worked on production lines, um, they have to, you know, be completely retrained. If we had something that would give them a, a heads up or a leg up on what's going on, God, that would be amazing. It would, it would take the, I would, I would imagine it would cut the training time down on the individual jobs in the plant probably by half. Exactly. You give them forklift training. Yeah. You give them high, uh, heavy equipment operator mm -hmm. training. Yeah. You teach them a little bit about diesel mechanics. You, water you get, licenses. Exactly. Wastewater treatment yeah. plants, how they work, how the chemistry works, environmental classes to show what you have to do to keep the rivers clean. Sure. And you've got an employee that people, that the companies, I would fight over hiring one of those people and i'm gonna pay them more sure god see that's the reason when i was going through this that's the reason i feel like this is was this is a perfect first podcast for what we want to do because yeah. this stuff is so important yeah. this is our community this is you know what we i don't think i think people and you say this all the time in your lectures and your stuff that you people don't realize what you're sitting on top of they don't and you know we all love this area you want it to thrive and you want it to do well uh, you want to be able to uh, you know our kids uh, our grandkids play baseball here mm -hmm. and the scoreboards don't work you know there are things like that well why and then we go we go to tennessee to some of those areas in kingsburg and they're the nicest fields we've ever seen yeah. But if you get those employment jobs up, you, you get more tax revenue from people building houses here and working here, 
then that's going to come. But you can't have it if people are leaving the county. No, you can't. And that's mm. we're, we're either going to grow or it's going to die. Well, and that's you know that's part of what the reason we wanted to start something like this is that we wanted to have those these conversations and and really get into the weeds and in depth like you know like the newspaper can or yeah. you know like we've never like we want to have all kinds of people like you and, and, and alex i really appreciate you oh, yeah. taking your time you know time out for everything um i got a couple more things i want to mm -hmm. ask mm -hmm. um Going back to the and and I I only want to ask this question because I know that there was you know sometime back there was a um, a fish kill that was investigated at the at the park mm -hmm. um, I think that's where they saw it. It wasn't. It wasn't us. Okay. I'm I'm familiar with that. But I but like you know and something I was watching last last night you were talking about you know in, because the river is such an important part of mm -hmm. this and like we mm -hmm. talked about the history of all this um i don't think a lot of people know how the river and the water from the tow river is used in the mining process can you kind of give an yes. overview and what's yes. put back into the, it after the, it's all done the river is critical if you look at the big plants they're all right on the river they use millions of gallons of water out of the river and and part of the benefit is that because it's such good water we're kind of like Baxter. You know, Baxter is in, in North Cove because of the water uh, to, to make those IV bags. But a lot of water is used, but it is cleaned. That's why you have these huge wastewater treatment plants. Mm -hmm. And you have to be a licensed wastewater treatment operator to work those. If you have a spill or if you have a release, your license can be pulled. Uh, and that's by the state again. Mm -hmm. And I think that one uh, incident that you're talking about, I, I think it was going, uh, the, there was water diverted, a diverter valve or something like that misfunctioned, mm -hmm. and water went to where it wasn't supposed to go. And that's a violation, and you, get, you have to report that, and you'll get dinged on it. Uh, and, of course, people all talk about it. You know, what's doing this? Well, they're concerned about it. They don't want their river polluted mm -hmm. the companies have come such a long way oh, uh, to do that but one of the processes is, is using hydrofluoric acid hydrofluoric acid has fluorine yep. and fluorine is like chlorine uh, uh, why do you use chlorine to cleanse things because it kills germs yep. uh, fluorine kills things too so the river is monitored the, the fluorides are monitored very very closely by the companies and by the state in the river and there's a maximum amount that the river can take without hurting the river. And that's that's the threshold. And the companies have to stay under that. And they're staying under it. Yeah. And that's what keeps the trout going. Uh, look, look right here in Spruce Pine. Uh, yeah. Troutacular and all of those things. Yep. You go down to Riverside Park, there's always trout fishermen in there and you'll see them catching fish oh yeah those fish wouldn't be there if the river weren't clean no yeah uh, well but, you know and but, me and josh we we had done a you know podcast kind of how we got started on this whole thing and we were talking about you know josh had uh somehow we got down that rabbit hole when we were talking about how you know the water that's released back into the river is cleaner than really what's taken mm -hmm. out of it mm -hmm. and, and and i heard you talking about the floor yeah the, well, the fluoride that's in toothpaste right you know, so how does that come up? Can you can you talk about the neutralization process? And yes, what, yes. Yeah. Because you're using those uh, uh, high acids, these are high acid content, content 
they are neutralized. So in that filter plant, the main thing, uh, some of the things that happen are neutralization and uh, 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 sediment removal or removal of particles. You remove the uh, uh, total suspended solids, TSS. Right. So there are huge filters. Have you you been in your filter plant? Oh, yeah, yeah. They have these, they're different ways, but most of them are these big, giant roll filters that have vacuums. So they suck the uh, the solids and recover, gosh, it's 99.9% it's .9 of the solids. And that's what goes as waste that you see in the waste piles. And then... And then the water that's left, that's pulled out of that, is neutralized with a basic material. So the opposite of uh, acid is a base. So you're looking yeah. for a pH neutral of 7. So if you have a pH of 3 or 4, you put a pH of a 9 or 10, which Whatever. are alkaline yeah. materials, mm -hmm. which is mainly ground limestone, Lime. high purity yeah. limestone. Yeah, yeah. You Lime. put it in there, and it neutralizes the water to a neutral pH of 7, so you yeah. kill the acid. And it works. Gotcha. So I, I heard you in that same discussion talking about how because of the regulations that have to do with the river and the fluorides in the river and all that stuff, that essentially another operation that used this a similar process and put something back in the river really realistically couldn't. Well, it's a barrier to entry. Uh, there are new ways of, of, of filter plant design mm -hmm. that might could, but... You have to be under that threshold, several thresholds, uh, uh, to keep your water quality in the river. So another producer may uh, may uh, get close or may not can meet those standards. Gotcha. And those standards are stuck to all by right. the state. They right. have to. Yeah. And that's what keeps the river clean. So right. we, d we d don't know uh, if, if another operator ever would come in here or not, but... They could always mine here and take the process to another river system off the Gotcha, mountain. gotcha. Okay. Well, um, let's see. The one other thing I wanted to just touch briefly back on, just because I'm, I'm curious, I'm endlessly curious about this type of stuff. Um, we were talking about the longevity. Mm -hmm. Let's assume that the mining continues kind of at the pace that it is now. Could you put a number? On how long? No, no. Now, the pace, uh, you know, it's my understanding, and I think Josh will know this more than anybody, the market's not being supplied. No, there is more demand mm. than we can produce. Absolutely. So all of these plants are maxed out. They're maxed out doing all they can do. Uh, but that's not, that's not the resource stifled. It's production, production stifled. stifled. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And you hear, you know, you'll hear people too on Facebook saying, "Oh, if we're going to move all these semiconductor plants out of Asia, out of China to here, gosh, we'll be setting the world on fire. We we can barely produce what's what the demand in the market is now. But again, those plants go to big central areas where they have more of their." Uh, 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 of their materials and workforce and i mean look here if you had a thousand person plant come here you can't get enough people to run hard work at hardy's no there's no way you that's true that. <laughs> yeah yeah and you wow. baxter can't get enough people all tech can't get enough people oh, the prisons can't get enough people 
you know, we're really, as far as employment, we're just about maxed out now. But uh, it's the infrastructure of those big, big plants. you got to have a lot of stuff. Right, right. You do. Man, this has been awesome. We done? You got anything else? No, man. Thank you. Well, guys, I'm honored to be your first Uh, participant. And I, like you, love this area. Uh, I love the county. I love the town. And uh, it's just an incredible place. And I know we always have challenges, as you have everywhere, but we've got some good things going. We do. Well, Alex, listen, I, I want to have you back sometime, too. I, I'd love fun. to do this again. I'd love to do this again maybe a few months down the road or something to cover some, you know, I had some other stuff that was a little more, you know, outside of outside of this area type of stuff I'd love to ask you about as well. I know you you do some stuff out west and things like that as mm-hmm. well so that's definitely something we'd like to get into with you yeah some neat stuff i'm giving a talk thursday night and i'm sure you'd be welcome on earthquakes to Kiwanis. Kiwanis oh wow at 5 30 at number three grill uh yeah. on thursday evening they want to know how earthquakes happen what makes them and what happened in turkey what happened in sparta oh, yeah. virginia what or, or Amelia, Virginia, and what happened in Sparta, North Carolina. And so I've got all that in a PowerPoint to present to them Thursday night at awesome. 5.30. Absolutely. Well, and, and these are neat things that people are curious are. about. Oh, yeah. This stuff is extreme. I thought I was so excited about that. I really was so genuinely excited to have you in here. And it, you, you've been a great first guest. Well, thank you. Thank Alex, you. thank you so very much. We appreciate well, thanks it. Thanks for having me. I, I love this stuff. Thanks. Bye, guys. All right, everybody. Please hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below, and let us know what you think about anything, anything and everything. We welcome all comments. Tell us if you liked it. Tell us if you hated it. Tell us if you thought it was just okay. And uh, until next time, peace out, everyone.